We're going to get this verse so deeply ingrained in you, you're going to wake up in the middle of the night confessing it. Hallelujah. And it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. As we go about our day and live our lives for Him faithfully, not only are we walking in triumph, being led in triumph, but we're spreading the good news as we go. How do you understand this world needs to see some triumph? They need to see you standing victoriously despite everything that's going on. Scripture in Hebrews 12, 27, very powerful, says this, This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed, so that only unshakable things will remain. In other words, there is a shaking going on, and everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But the Bible says, in Him, you and I can stand in the end. Come on, say it boldly. I am unshakable because of Jesus. Now, church, unless you've been living under a rock, in the back part of a cave, on the bottom of the ocean, you know there's a shaking going on. Everybody can sense that, and we know that it's true. Uh, maybe some exceptions to that. When somebody asked an Amish man, you know, how come his community was COVID-free? He simply replied, it's because we don't have a television. <laughs> that was a very wise response. Yes, it was. Haggai 2.7 talks about God's end game. I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I'll fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Can I tell you God's perspective about the great shaking? It means a couple of things. First of all, God's going to move in such a way there's a supernatural wealth transferred to his people and the glory of God being poured out like never before. Hallelujah. He said, my glory shall fill the earth. We can see how this is all tied. So be careful that you don't look at these times and go, oh, there's a shaking going on. Everything that can go wrong is going wrong. No, see it from God's perspective. He's about to transfer the wealth from the wicked into the hands of the righteous, and he's about to fill his house with glory. You and I should be excited today if we didn't get anything else out of this. Watch it from God's perspective. See it through his eyes, and you'll be transformed by that. Scripture says in Psalm 30, verse 6, When all was well, I said, I will not be shaken. You know, you can't base your stability on your circumstances, good or bad. The world does not and cannot understand what is happening. Uh, Psalm 82, verse 5, They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness, and the foundations of the earth are being shaken. The best they can do is react and guess. Aren't you glad that you and I don't have to react and guess? We have the wisdom of God available to us. You know, I see a lot of people in the world frantic, and they're upset, and they're reactionary, and they're abusing one another and yelling at each other, and that's just on Facebook. Somebody said this week, you know what? We ought to combine YouTube with Facebook and Twitter. And they can call it you Twitface. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I couldn't help it. I sent that picture to Dr. Barkley, and he laughed, and he laughed, and he laughed, because he's always talking about spewed tooth and fake book. Amen. Now he's got a new one. Look at somebody say Twitface. Well, they don't know. Do you know there are millions of things in this world that can shake you? But there is only one thing that can make you unshakable. And that's God's word. Everybody hold up their finger like this. One thing. 
There's so many things that can take us out, but there's one thing that will cause us to be stable and unshakable. And Psalm 16, 8 says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord with him at my right hand. I'll not be shaken. I know this is a pretty good posture. Amen? This is the way to stability. Anything else can and will be shaken. Colossians 2, 7 says this, Having been firmly rooted and now being built upon him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude, what's the key? Firmly rooted in him. Firmly rooted in his word is to be rooted in Jesus. Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will what? Never pass away. There is nothing else that God makes that claim about. Nothing else. Scripture says in Psalm 119, verse 89, Your word, Lord, is eternal. Come on, say that. His word word is is eternal. eternal. What does that mean? It means what's going on can't take it out. What's going on can't diminish it. What's going on can't stop it. It'll still have integrity and force and power no matter what happens on this earth because it transcends this earth in all time and all seasons. If your confidence and foundation is the word, you're going to be unshakable. There's a scripture in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42 that we spent a little time talking about. (laughs) And the story of a pair of sisters who invited Jesus into their home. And the one went around trying to do for Jesus. The other one spent her time sitting at his feet, listening to what he what? What he said. Why was Mary going to be unshakable? Because she valued what came from the mouth of the Lord. That is not something we could ever or should ever get away from. Are you here today? Hebrews 4.12 tells us the word is living and it's active. Shout that out. The word is living and it's active. That means it's a present force today in our lives. It's not some dead book on a bookshelf. It's actually alive and has power to bring itself to pass. Why not make that your foundation? Why not make that thing that causes you to be unshakable? I want you to go to Psalm 19 for a moment. I want to give you some characteristics of the word, why we should put such confidence in it. And uh, looking at uh, Psalm 19, I'm going to start around uh, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Turn to somebody and say, that means there's hope for you. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. And that concept of fear right there deals with such honor for God that you take heed to his word. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold and much more gold. They're sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. comb. Uh, By them is your servant warning. Keeping them, there is what? Great reward. Not just reward, but what? Great reward. Pastor, you mean you tell me that in the midst of all this craziness, if I stand on the word of God, I can have great reward? 
Yes, because the world and the devil is trying to tell you it's going to have great loss and great terrible, horrible things happen. Everything's going to come out for money economically and your country's going to fall apart. Listen to me carefully. The devil's not getting this country. What you see is just a flurry of activity among those that serve the enemy trying to stop the plan of God and the destiny for this nation. And he's not going to get away with it in Jesus' name. And if you still think this is a natural thing, a political thing, you need to get back into the Word of God and get some discernment about what's really going on in this nation. Because the forces of anarchy, socialism, and atheistic communism are behind this entire thing. But blessed be the name of the Lord, this land was dedicated to him and shall remain dedicated to him. The Bible says of itself it's perfect. That means there's no error in it. It effectively converts the soul, which means it converts the thinking that causes us to be changed in our lives. That word is very powerful. It can also mean reviving or bringing new life to the soul. So maybe you're on fire for God and you have a couple days, weeks, or months where you're kind of waning and your enthusiasm is diminished and the force of your faith is beginning to dry up. All you have to do is get back in the Word of God and you'll be revived. Listen, brothers and sisters, you don't have to have an evangelist come to town and be revived. You got all the evangelists you need right here to get revived and stay revived. It's wonderful to be submitted to the ministry gifts in the church. They're there for edification. But God doesn't want you to go between special meetings. And that includes Sunday to Sunday. Can I have an amen? Every day you can be strengthened and revived. That second word, sure, means trustworthy. It means it's reliable and certain. It makes wise in godliness. Those who are simple in spiritual education, because the more you study, the more you're going to trust in God and what he has to say. The third descriptor is it means it's right. It means morally, practically, and universally. All the words of God are true, and they are right. Aren't you glad for that today? I mean, everything you read, it's right. Well, if somebody looks at the Bible and says, I don't agree with it, that means they're wrong. Hallelujah. I know we're living in a day right now, and I was talking to somebody yesterday. We're in a day where what is right is called wrong, what's wrong is called right. But guess what? Whatever this book says is right, and any other opinion is wrong, and that doesn't make you a bigot, that makes you a Christian. You don't have the luxury of deciding if you're going to agree with God's word or not. To agree with God is to agree with what he has said, because he is right. Part of the time... All the time he is right. All we love saying God is good. All the time. How about saying God is right? All the time. We ought to get just as enthusiastic about his rightness as his goodness. Because he is never going to sanction the ripping of an unborn baby out of a womb. Ever. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Well, I believe, I think, it doesn't make a difference what you believe or think. The Word has already established that life begins in the mind of God before conception, and He knows those that He has made in the womb before birth. That means if God knows them, they're alive. Well, I don't know, and they, and this people over here, you know, this group, it doesn't matter. He is right. Can you see how quickly you can be removed from your firm foundation by taking a poll on whether God's word is right or not? It's simple. It's always right. And if you deviate, it means you're wrong. 
And that's where the real battle lies in this nation. Fourth, they're called radiant, which means that they're pure and holy, but they also bring light in the midst of darkness. In other words, the power of God's word is it will open up your eyes, it'll open up your heart, it'll open up your mind. I love it when, when people say, well, we have open minds. We need to have an open mind. There's even one major denomination that had an ad campaign, open hearts, open minds, open doors. You know what they translate that into? Is do whatever you want to do. God's love is tolerant. You just live the way you want to. Can I tell you something? The thing that really opens up your mind is what God has said in his word. Amen. Going around pretending you have an open mind, violating God's word, that's not an open mind at all. That's a closed mind. You have decided that God's statutes and what he says are irrelevant and your thoughts are higher than his. Well, that's a violation of Isaiah 55. The Bible tells us that his thoughts are higher. So if you find yourself in contradiction to the radiant life of God and the, the power of God, that perfect word, that simplicity of the truth that God is always right, you just have to realize that and make an adjustment because the word is already fixed forever. It's not going to change. Let me say it one more time. This Bible is never going to change. So either you're going to change or you'll stand in contradiction to it and you can't be stable that way. Everything is going to be shaken. Only the ones that are attached to, tied to, cemented to the word of God are going to stand in these days. It's also called pure. It means they endure forever. They don't fade or diminish because of impurity. They're clean, and they cause the reader and the student of the Word to get cleaner as well. Aren't you glad for that? It not only makes you right, it makes you clean. Stay in the Word of God. The Bible says, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy Word is truth. The Spirit of God, the Word of God, the Father himself, the blood of Jesus, all sanctify us. Because you're in the Word, purity is developed. Number six, it means it's true. There's nothing false in the Word of God. I love these people who become so well educated, they think they can stand in judgment over the integrity of God's Word and decide what was God and what was not God and what man wrote and what man didn't write. You know, and there's five authors of Isaiah. No, my brothers and sisters, there's one author of Isaiah, and his name is the Holy Ghost. Isaiah just happened to be the agent for that. And they become so enamored with their ability and their mental capacities that they can stand in judgment over this book. Any man or woman that stands in judgment over this book has already made the first mistake. And it's a thing called pride. And once that happens, all things are possible, accepting any manner of perversion and lifestyle in the name of tolerance, in the name of love. No, my brother and sister, all love is not love. Only love that lines up with God's word is love. And it's described as lastly righteous. There's nothing unrighteous about the word of God. In other words, the word, the principles are just as righteous as God is. This means that God and his word are one. And when you're standing on this word, you are standing on the very force and weight and power of the Father himself. Go to Matthew 7 for a moment. Matthew 7. Turn to somebody and tell them you're going to make it because you're standing 
on the Word. Scripture says in verse 24 of Matthew 7, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now notice that word everyone. Everything is going to be shaken, but this verse, this passage says that everyone could stand. The potential is there for everyone to make it. But it says, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on what? On the rock. Jesus said to his disciples, who do men say that I am? They said, you know, this prophet or that prophet, but who do you say that I am? Peter, by the Holy Ghost, by the revelation of the Father, said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonas, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my Church. What rock? The rock of revealed knowledge of his word. That's how you build and that's how you stand. And that's why nothing could take this house out. But Jesus doesn't stop there with the teaching. He says, but everyone, the first group, everyone who has the solid foundation will stand in the shaking. Everyone who does not have the rock will not stand in this shaking. What a simple but powerful passage. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. Why would we not put them into practice? Because we stand in judgment over those. That doesn't apply to me. That's not what it says. Well, Joe and Fred and Mary do that. Everybody's doing that. Why not do that too? That's irrelevant. You must hear and put them into what? Practice. He would hear but does not put them into practice is like a foolish man, not a wise man, who built his house on sand. Many times my family through the years have been at the beach and we would see some beautiful works. An artist would come by and they would do a beautiful castle or they would do a, a figure in the beach. One time somebody did an image of the Lord himself in the sand and even the image of the Lord didn't make it when the waves came in. The sand has no power to preserve you. Sand is not a sufficient foundation. What is that sand? Sand is the philosophies of man. Sand is the religion of man. Sand is the political persuasions of man and the scheming and the dreaming and all the gimmicks. That's the best thing that man has, but it's all sand. And how prevalent is sand? Billions and trillions and trillions and trillions of grains on this planet right now. You can, you can get a lot of sand, but no matter what you make with it, it's going to go by the wayside. He says, that uh, man built his house on sand. Watch this. The rain came down. One of the first illustrated sermons I ever did for Timothy was this sermon. I had sound effects. I had hand motions. And the rain came down. Isn't that right, Timothy? <laughs> and the streams rose. Buh, 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 buh. <laughs> and the winds blew. <laughs> and beat against that house. And watch this. 
and it fell with a great crash. Watch this. It fell with a great crash. There's a great crash coming for those who built their lives on sand. A great crash. But aren't you glad it doesn't have to be you? Amen. Mm-hmm. Note a couple things here. The rain wasn't the problem. Because both houses were made subject to the rain. Watch this. The rising water. The flood water was not the problem because they both were exposed to the water. The wind is not the problem because both houses were subjected to the same wind. The only problem and the difference was the foundation, the time, the effort, the materials, the consistency. That's the difference between the one that fell and the one that stood. Come on, shout it out. I choose to be unshakable. Come on, say it boldly. I choose to be unshakable in a shaking world. Note that the crash was enormous. Now, the other night, Thursday night, Kelly and I were in town. I get this phone call from my mom, and she's just absolutely frantic. Now, to put this in context, I'll get a phone call from her from time to time, and she'll really be upset about something. Not me, of course. Just make that perfectly clear. <laughs> one, one morning she called. She was frantic. She was upset. And I thought, oh, what's going on? You know, is Dad having an episode? What's wrong? Is something wrong with her? And all I did was just, you know, rushed out of the house and drove over where they were and came to the house. And I knocked on the door and opened up the door. And she hands me a cell phone. Here, talk to him. And I go, what's this all about? Oh, this is the guy that has some kind of ransomware on my computer, and he wants me to pay $1,000 to get it free. That was the crisis that day. She wanted me to talk to a fellow on the phone. I'm kind of like, why didn't you just say that from the beginning? (laughs) Well, we got him straightened out real quickly. Yeah, I just, I just told him, here's one thing my mom said one time, one of these characters is on the phone with her, and she goes, uh, well, I'm just going to have to report you to the CIA. And you know what the guy on the other line said? He goes, what is the CIA? <laughs> Sounds like a good old-fashioned American right there, amen. <laughs> that was not this call. I mean, she was beside herself. She said, lightning just hit the house and put a hole in it. And I thought, well, is it smoking? No. You see any fire? No. Okay, well, we'll be right over there. And we, we get over there, and what happened was there's a beautiful tree. It's probably 100 years old. And the tree, probably 20, 25 feet from the house, just beautiful, green everywhere, every limb, every branch, just perfect. Lightning had hit that thing, and the second thing that happened is it fell over on their house. If it had fallen over about 10 feet, it would hit both of them because that's where they were. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. And so uh, brothers came over and cut the logs off and got a tarp on there just to stop the rain that was coming. But what struck me as I was looking at that thing in the dark is after the lightning hit it and it fell over, the entire bottom portion had been eaten out by some kind of infection. And what struck me that day, maybe it's just for our purposes today, 
is it was perfect on the outside. It was strong on the outside. Every branch had beautiful big leaves. It looked perfect. But on the inside, its foundation was compromised. And it was just a matter of time before that thing fell. And I'm telling you today, if you're looking at ornamentalism, how you're focused on the outside of things of life and the incidentals of life, instead of your foundation of the Word of God, it's just a matter of time. That's the message from this particular story. So I want to leave you with these thoughts this morning. How do you become unshakable yourself? How do you become? Say it, I want to be unshakable. No matter what goes on. First of all, read the Word. No substitute, not rocket science. How many glad that you are literate? How many thank God you have an education? You got to go to a, to a culture and a society that values education. Now put it to use. There's nothing more important than reading this. You read it. They were renovating the temple and the book of the law was discovered and Josiah was informed and the priest gave it to his assistant, began to read the word. And when Josiah heard the word, he tore his robes. What does that mean in the Hebrew context? It means that's a sign of grief and repentance and even anger that what he's reading is not what we're doing. Do you see the connection, church, that if the book is not read, people forget what to do? And what the scripture tells us in the prophets and other places is don't rend your garments. Do what? Rend your heart with repentance and with humility and even a righteous anger. We need to be doing the right thing. You can't do the right thing if you're not in the word. And you don't get enough word on a Sunday morning to make you survive and thrive. Now, Kelly, when she preaches, everything is a scripture. She comes close. But you can't open this thing Sunday to Sunday or once or twice a week and expect that you're going to have any different faith than that tree one day. Yeah. Say, well, I just don't, I'm just going to believe for no storms. That storm hit that thing. That storm came up suddenly and hit that tree, but it did not fall because of the storm. It didn't even fall that way because of the lightning. It could have been split and solid at the bottom and it still would have stood somewhat. I'm telling you, that's the key. But we can't even know what to do if we don't know what it says. We need to read the word. He tore the robes and tore the hearts and said, we're going to start doing what God said. Everybody say, thank God we have it. I mean, you can get on your smartphone and find dozens and dozens of translations. You probably have many copies of the word in your, in your study, in your library, in your home. Look, you don't get special brownie points for how many of these you have. You get power and foundation from reading one of them. Number two, reflect and respond to the word of God. Just like a Josiah. There was a response to it. There was a meditation upon it. We're told in Psalm chapter 1, those that are successful, those that are planted by, like a tree by streams of water, are people who, who meditate day and night on the Word. That's their focus. That's their meditation. 
Joshua was told the same thing. Meditate on the Word of God. Don't let it depart from your mouth. In other words, keep on meditating, keep on muttering it, because then if you do, you'll be careful and you'll make your way successful. Hallelujah. You've got to think about it. You've got to respond correctly to it. Number three, you have to understand the Word. Scripture says you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But you can't be set free if you don't know the truth. In reading the Word and meditating on the Word, suddenly I get revelation. Now, Peter got a revelation that day, but how do you understand? God doesn't love Peter anymore and loves you, and vice versa. You should be having aha moments, understanding. So that's what that means. And I thank you, Lord, for showing me that. You say, well, I don't have the pastor with me to explain it. You got the Holy Ghost, the writer. If you could sit down with any book, from textbooks to any book you ever read, I mean, understand, if you could have the writer with you, when you came to a point you didn't understand, then you would be able to know what they meant. And he's always with you. He's, the Bible says he's the teacher of the church. You see this? You must understand. It's the truth that you understand that's setting you free. Number four is do the word. That's complicated. The man in the story heard, but did not do. Do you know that there's absolutely no value for you, practically, if you read and even think about and even understand, but never get around to doing? Your foundation is not set unless you're doing what it says. If the scripture gives you a command not to do something, then you shouldn't do it. If you never get around to complying with that, your foundation is compromised. If he tells you to do something and you refuse to do it time and time again, year after year, month after month, season after season, you can't expect to have a solid foundation. Uh, James put it like this, be doers of the word and what? Not hearers only. Verse 22, chapter 1, it says this, deceiving yourselves. What does that mean, deceiving yourself? It means you have deceived yourself to thinking that there's some efficacy and power in reading alone. I read my chapter. I'm a good little soldier. I read my psalm today. Everything is wonderful. No, did you do what you read? You know why Josiah is such a pivotal character in Jewish history? It's because he led the people to do what was read. Turn to somebody and tell them, you need to do what you're reading. Come on, say it again. You need to do what you are reading. The deception is thinking that it's wonderful, powerful. I read the word and I agree with the word, hallelujah, and I'm confessing the word and I'm talking the word. Uh, are you doing what it said? There's the disconnect. Fifth principle is simple as well. Continue in the Word. Continue in the Word. Stop doing the Word that you started doing and you'll become unstable. There isn't a Christian in this building, and I will add myself to that and any leader no matter how long you've been saved, there's not a Christian in this building that's not capable of falling flat on their face. There's not one person in here that's not capable of being shaken to the core. But on the other hand, 
There's not a Christian in here, including me, that can't stand strong in the midst of this storm and be unshakable. But what do I have to do? I've got to continue. Jesus said to the Jews that believed in him, John chapter 8, if you continue in my word, then you're my what? Then you're my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and what will happen. The truth will set you free. But he told them that you need to continue in this. Continue what? I need to keep on reading it. Keep on thinking it. Keep on understanding it. Keep on what? Doing it. Continue and then start all over again. Continuing. Turn over in your Bible for a moment to 2 Timothy. Come on, say it boldly. I choose to be unshakable. Come on, say it unshakable. Hallelujah. Say it one more time. Unshakable. More than a conqueror. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Paul to his spiritual son, he says, But as for you, poke somebody and say he's talking about you. Continue. Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. There's no mystery here what he's talking about. He's saying emphatically, continue in the Scripture. Continue in your relationship with the Word of God, which are able to make you wise for salvation or soundness through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What are you doing when you continue? You maintain that high view of the Word of God. You maintain it as a high priority in your life. Not everything first, and then I'll get around to reading that chapter. No, that's the kind of flippancy that's going to cause you and me to fall. We're looking real good on the outside. we got a big, long, straight trunk that's 100 years old, and every branch is healthy, nothing's broken off. You know, every single branch has beautiful, big leaves on the outside. It all looks great. But because we're not in the place of having a firm foundation from the Word of God, a little bit of circumstances, a little bit of obstacles, a little bit of wind, a little bit of lightning, and bam, goes the tree. And it wasn't because of the weather. Listen carefully. Don't read the Word in this time, especially and you're going to be shaken. Don't meditate on the word. You're going to be shaken. Don't understand it. You're going to be shaken. Don't do it. You're going to be shaken. Don't continue, and you're going to be shaken. Amen.